unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Nathan. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm still recovering from last week's episode with Doberman Dan. That was just packed with so many awesome stories that, man, I'm just still like uh, basking in the glow of last week's episode. I know. It, it was terrific. He's a good friend, but to be honest, of many, many hours, I've talked to them on the phone. I've never heard any of what he talked about. It was all new to me. Nice. So what do we got uh, on the agenda for today's podcast? Well, we've got another episode in the Old Master series, and this might be an old master not everyone's heard about. Um, let's start in New York City in 1892. An advertising man named George P. Rowell starts a weekly advertising journal called Printers, Inc., which lasted all the way till 1967. And decades after he started, another man, George Laughlin Miller, started writing a column for the magazine under a pen name, and the pen name was Aesop Lim, like Aesop's fables. Um, in the 1940s and 50s, Aesop Lim's column was, as far as I can tell, the copywriter's podcast of the time. I couldn't find out much more than that about Mr. Glim, also known as Mr. Miller. And uh, I didn't bring my copy of the book here to show our video viewers, but um, he, he wrote a book called How Advertising is Written and Why. And I think it's more or less a collection and consolidation of his columns. It's almost impossible to find. I saw two copies available on Amazon as out-of-print books. And it just has some terrific, unique ideas. And we're going to go over them today as part of our old master series, Aesop Glim, formerly known as George Laughlin Miller. Um, we should first take a brief pause to go over this. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and if you're writing in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So the book is concise. It's only about 150 pages, but it's powerful. It's got eight chapters, and each chapter has three to nine meaty sections. I mean, we could really do a podcast in any one of those sections, but I'm going to try and cover more than that. I've cherry-picked four key ideas, four key ideas I haven't seen presented anywhere else in this way. And we're going to cover the bare bones of Aesop Glim's ideas and then fill in the blanks with our own examples and comments. And I'd sure love to hear some of your comments too, Nathan, about these things. Not that I need to ask, but I just want to let you know. Um, so let's start with the first one. The substitute for inspiration is saturation. Okay, that's a lot of big words. What, what does it mean? Well, what it means is when you're writing copy, you don't want it to be dull. You want to be inspired. And the problem with that 
is, well, as Aesop Klim says, the trouble with inspiration is that like luck or lightning, you can't possibly tell when it will strike. So there is a substitute for that. And it is saturation. What does that mean? It means saturate your mind. Saturate your mind with facts, with experience, and with knowledge about user experience, what it's like to use the product you're writing about. So how do we go about saturating ourselves? Well, a good way for starters is to try the product. Uh, If you're the business owner, I guess you've tried the product. If you're the copywriter, get your client to let you try their product. I'll give you an example. I have a mentoring client who makes organic nutritional powders, really good ones. I have dutifully tried all three of them, and now he's got me hooked. So I'm a paying customer on all three of these things. That's a good example of saturation. We've talked about research on other shows, and the idea of saturation means for a short time making the product or the service the center of your world. Does that ring a bell for you, Nathan? Yeah, this is kind of a side tangent, but back when I owned my very first business, which was a record label, we did hip hop music. And I noticed very, very early on that when I was immersed in hip hop, when I was listening to hip hop all the time, new lyrics would come to me, new ideas for songs would come to me. When I would stop listening for a little while, I would lose that inspiration. And one of the things that I like to do now to kind of use that same hack, because when your brain is being fed something, when you're consuming a type of content, it becomes a lot easier to create that kind of content um, because the saturation does cause inspiration. What I like to do now is I interview all of my clients. I interview uh, their, their past clients, their past customers, their potential prospects. I have just tons of interviews and I like to cut those interviews up and turn them into MP3s. I, I usually do uh, either I interview people through Zoom or I interview people live with a recording unit. And then I just listen to those before I go to write my email onboarding sequence. I'll just listen to the interviews or before I go to write my sales pages, I'll just listen to hours of interviews of previous buyers and constantly having that go straight from my ear my ear holes into my brain um, gives me all kinds of great ideas to use in sales letters, to use in email sequences, to use on the sales page. So um, I'm 100% in agreement with this. Yeah, it makes a difference. Thank you. That's, that's a really good example. Let's talk about headlines. God, we've talked about headlines a lot, but you know, headlines make up 80, 90% of how well the ad's going to do, how well the sales page is going to do, how well the webinar is going to do. Um, so let's talk about headlines from the um, Aesop Glim point of view. He says headlines need to reach out from the page, seize the lapels of your prospect, and persuade them to read the first paragraph of your copy. Okay? So he says there's three steps of the headline, three steps of the job of the headline. One is select the right prospects, then arrest them. We'll talk about arrest in a second, not what you're thinking. And third, persuade them to read your first paragraph. I mean, if you can do that, you can select the right prospects and stop them and then get them to read your first paragraph. 
you know, you're halfway home. So let's talk about each one. Select the right prospects. That means you need to know who they are and just as important, who they are not. More than you know, you really want to know what they think about, how they feel, and how they react in various different situations. Most important, you need to know what's on their mind. What's on their mind right now would be likely to be on their mind when they're reading your copy. Um, What's on their mind that your product can do something about to make their life better. Sounds simple, uh, worth putting some effort into, some thought into. One, select the right prospects. Two, arrest them. Besides put someone in jail, the word arrest also means stop. And to stop a prospect, you have much better odds succeeding if you know what the conversation going on in their mind is. That old phrase from Robert Collier, enter the conversation already going on in your prospect's mind. And your odds are better if you say something important to them that speaks to that conversation already going on in their mind. Something shocking is not necessarily enough. What you say needs to resonate with your qualified prospect. And the third thing is to persuade them to read your first paragraph. This is basically an expansion of resonating with what's on the mind of your prospect. Once you have their interest, go deeper on the same topic. Make it personally compelling. Any thoughts on that, Nathan? Uh, Other than just reemphasizing how important the headline is, because if you can't do these three things with the headline, they're not going to read the rest of your sales letter. Yep. Yep. And um, that's where a lot of people fall down. So third one, um, this is, I think, different from anything I've, I've heard from anyone talking about copy. I certainly heard what I'm about to tell you in journalism and in English literature class. And you know what, Nathan, we're going to have our first poetry reading on the Copywriters Podcast right now. Um, it's a poem by Rudyard Kipling, and it's called I Keep Six Honest Serving Men. Don't worry, it's short. I keep six honest serving men. They taught me all I knew. Their names are what and why and when and how and where and who. Okay? Who, what, why, when, where, and how in a different order. Now, Aesop Glim, this is his Rudyard Kipling secret for copy minus one. He left out the how. Um, and that we could debate that. Sometimes it's good to talk about how, especially when you're talking about your mechanism. But let's just go with when, where, who, what, and why. The, the five that, that uh, Aesop Glim talks about. I'll give you an example. Listen to the sentence. Yesterday in Australia, one of my clients had a major breakthrough because of one stunning idea he swears he'll use from now on to write copy. Now let's break that down. Yesterday when, in Australia, where, one of my clients who had a major breakthrough, what, because of one stunning idea he swears he'll use from now on to write copy, why he had that breakthrough. Okay, that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty interesting. Most people don't do that. Um, but when you do that, it, it adds a level of interest to your copy that it didn't have before. And 
here's something to kick it up a notch even better. Put most of your copy in the present tense, not the past, not the future, not the conditional, not the subjunctive, not the past perfect, but the present tense. So let's do that same sentence again, but put it in the present. And listen to this. See how you react. See if you get interested. In Australia, one of my clients is having a major breakthrough because of one stunning idea he swears he'll use from now on to write copy. Okay, I'll use Aesop Glim's example for putting headlines in the present tense versus another tense. I'm not even sure which one it is, but it's not present. So here's a headline that worked for a, um, like a scouring powder. Old Dutch cleanser chases dirt. Boom. Okay. Now, here's the same headline in some other conditional, tentative, walking on eggshells way of saying it. Old Dutch cleanser might conceivably remove the accumulated filth if properly applied. See how the first one works better? Old Dutch cleanser chases dirt. Boom. Okay. Another tip to make your copy work better is use the singular instead of the plural because it's easier to visualize one hour or one cake of soap or one man than it is to visualize a lot of them. Any thoughts about that? Uh, Two thoughts. Number one, the who, what, when, where, and why. I know that in storytelling, if you want to capture somebody right away, you need to address that. Who's, who's being talked about? When is this happening? Why should I care? What's going on? Those are important things that I see a lot of people miss out in their copy, or maybe they get to it, but they don't get to it right away. And I, I'm a firm believer that in any kind of written message, at least within the first paragraph, you should cover all four of those points, if not the fifth as well. This other thing that you just brought up, being easier to visualize the plural. I've never thought about that, but it makes perfect sense. So when you said that, I just had this brilliant aha moment and I'm like, yes, another gym that I snagged from the copywriters podcast. Well, cool. It's yours. Um, Finally, three things that have to happen for an ad to work. Um, These will sound obvious in retrospect, but a lot of people don't really do this or get it. The first thing, well, I'll just read them and then I'll go through them. Three things. The ad must be seen, must be read, and it must be believed. Seen, read, and believed. So uh, this is back in the old days when people were scrolling through magazines or paging through magazines, but when they're scrolling through their phones, it's the same thing. To be seen, the ad needs to have the right layout and illustration and headline. If it looks too normal and bland and vanilla and boring, the layout, then it's very easy to bypass. If it's too bizarre um, or if the layout is too perfect or um, not, not even a little unusual, it might not be good layout. Illustrations are very important, and those are called pictures or photos these days. <laughs> I think everyone knows what illustrations mean. But um, 
on Facebook, you know, Facebook ads, the image is, I don't know, everything like, you know, mandatory has to be good. And of course, the headline, we've talked about headlines a lot. So those are the three things for an ad to be seen, layout, illustration, headline. To be read, okay, this is important. And this is where a lot of copy I see falls apart. And sometimes you can only get this by writing it first and looking at it later and, you know, putting on your critical hat and looking at it to see what's missing. You need a logical sequence of ideas. You need to use familiar words. Don't show off your vocabulary or your technical expertise or try to be the smartest guy or gal in the room. Use ordinary words. and. Use a simple sentence structure with helpful punctuation. So help. a lot of people don't know much about punctuation, and they misuse it all the time. And it's not about, he didn't say perfect punctuation. He said helpful punctuation. So if you're saying something and say, if you were saying it, like I'm doing now, there would be pauses. You want to have a comma or the famous three dots, the ellipses. Okay. Really long run-in sentences are very hard to take in, so a period and the start of a new sentence can really help readability and uh, completion of the ad by the reader and response and sales. Um, Okay, Uh, logical sequence of ideas, familiar words, and simple sentence structure and helpful punctuation to be read. The third thing, to be believed. This, of course, is where ads fall apart even when they've got all the technical stuff right do you have a problem with kindle books i do sometimes i really just want to hold a book in my hand so i can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes that's one reason i recently released the print version of my book breakthrough copywriting and listen to this on facebook i've gotten pictures posted from around the world pictures of people holding their printed copy of breakthrough copywriting in their hands including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. To be believed, an ad needs to have facts, which create conviction. Uh, These next two will go against a lot of stuff you've seen, but not much good stuff you've seen. To be believed, your ad will neither minimize nor maximize how important what we're selling is. So, you know, if you're selling, I don't know, something that you know, some kind of in a pesticide that will get rid of ants. That's important, but it's not the most important thing in a person's life. If they have an ant problem and they can't get rid of it, it is. But for most people, that's not how this occurs. So you want to keep it in proportion to how important it is. You don't want to be self-deprecating and minimizing. Uh, you probably don't care if you have ants in your kitchen. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're probably not, it's not really going to affect. No, you don't want to do that either. You want to get 
You want to maximize the importance that's real. And the third thing is as few superlatives as necessary, not no superlatives. Now, of course, in Google Ads, you can't use superlatives. It's against the rules, right? So you have to keep that in mind too. But sometimes you'll see something, it's so over the top with so many, the greatest, the only, the most fantastic, the, and, and it, it starts to, it starts to strain credibility and, and, and people don't believe it. So those are the three things you need to be believed. Have facts which create conviction, neither minimize nor maximize how important what we are, what we are selling is, and as few superlatives as necessary. And yeah, just, just one final thing here. Um, Aesop Glim says, and I'm quoting, strangely enough, our criterion is not the truth, like in a courtroom, right? The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. He says, you don't want to lie. He says, we want the truth, but only as much as we know our prospects will believe. Sometimes people think in the the service of transparency, they're going to tell everything that's true about your product. People can't absorb that much. It's not like you're leaving stuff out to deceive them. It's like, you're putting in what they can accept to serve them. That's the way to look at it. Did, did any of that uh, set off some light bulbs in your head? All of it did, David. <laughs> um, the second point, when you were talking about it, must be read. One thing that I wanted to add to that is when I'm writing stuff, you were talking about run-on sentences. I try to use the rule one idea per sentence and one concept per paragraph. If I'm trying to shove too many ideas into a single sentence, it needs to be broken up. If I get to the beginning or if I get to the end of a paragraph and I'm talking about a completely different concept than I was at the beginning, it needs to be split up into two different paragraphs. So um, that, and then the point of being believed, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, and I can't remember which guest brought it up, but going through your sales letter and asking at any point, okay, is this too unbelievable? Is, is my average reader going to get to this point and be like, well, I don't believe that. Well, then you need to go back a step and give them a reason to believe it. And that's so important that I, I see so many ads nowadays that just right at face value, I look at them. I'm like, nobody's going to believe this. It's, it's, uh, it, the claim is too good to be true. The promise is good, too good to be true. It's the same garbage promise that I've heard every other marketer make that none of them were able to deliver on. And I, I don't know. So it seems like there's a plague of copywriters out there who don't understand how important the third aspect is. Your copy needs to be believable. It does. And one of the traps I think we run into as copywriters and as business owners is we believe something, we know it's true. And so we figure, well, I know this is true, or I happen to believe this. So I'm just going to tell somebody what we don't bear in mind is what did we have to go through in terms of learning and experience to get to the point where we believe that it's true. And, and if we can't replicate that in our copy by taking the reader through that same path of learning and experience, then we may have to not modify it, not lie, but, but trim it back, scale it back, whittle it back a little bit in order to make it work. Yeah, man, I am loving this 
old masters series so far every episode that you've done on him has just been fire i want to get your take on something sure and, and this might even be one of those questions where the the answer is just so obvious but why is it that so many of these these books and these teachings from people a hundred over a hundred years ago are still so relevant even with all the major advances that we've had in marketing and advertising over the, especially over the last like 10, 20 years with the invention of the internet, all of this stuff still seems to be just as solid as it was when it was written. Well, I, I think one reason we're not seeing, I'll answer your question, but I think one reason we saw more of it back then than we see in terms of new stuff people are coming up with today boils down to Twitter, Instagram, and text messages. And by that, I mean, we're, we are so distracted and it is implied by, that by the existence of these technologies that we have to respond to everything right away. So the ability to just sit in a room and think and really evaluate what's true and what's not and then testing it against our own experience and other things we've learned um, has disappeared for a lot of people. I think the reason it's true is that even, you know, people think we live in a different world and we do, but our brains have, our nervous systems, our neurology, our, um, you know, uh, a whole, the whole way we think has not changed that much. We think it has. We think we're more evolved, this and that. Actually, it's not. Um, the, you know, the, the evolution of, of the human body and human neurology has not, it, you know, we last longer these days. Maybe we're healthier, but we're pretty much the same as we were underneath the hood. You know, our haircuts are different. Our glasses look different. You know, we can get text messages on our watches. Um, you know, we have sneakers that light up. But, but basically, underneath the hood, we're still pretty much the same as we ever were. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy to me that the same, the same things that worked in an ad that was ran on a newspaper where they actually had to, you said illustrate because they couldn't, they couldn't transpose a photograph, but the same concepts a hundred, 150 years later are the exact same concepts that still work in a Facebook ad. It's just crazy to me. It's crazy, but it's, it's worth admitting that it's true. Okay, David, man, we went over a lot today and again, I'm just loving this series. Uh, anything else before we're out of here? No, um, I'm, I'm going through hundreds of books to see if I can find any more to, um, um, that, you know, that, that actually fit the category of old masters where it's something, you know, it's hard. I've gone through a lot of books that have great stuff in them, but they just wouldn't work for a podcast episode. So I will, I will keep reviewing. And meanwhile, we've got lots of other good stuff coming ahead. Nice. All right, man. Until next time, we will catch you later. Okay, catch you later. Thanks. Before we go, a quick question. 
Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on GarfinkelMedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to GarfinkelMedia.com and fill out the form. That's GarfinkelMedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This show was brought to you by the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.